Connor, that is a lot going on at one time for the college sports world, is it not? It's crazy, yeah. I mean, just the latest one was the Dartmouth. So they had athletes who are were employed at the school. Is right. that what was happening? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh, man. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of a mess. Yeah. So uh, yesterday, yesterday, I, I was listening to Andy Staples' show because I feel like Andy's a pretty good dude to get some perspective on this. And he went through the whole, you know, Dartmouth coming together, unionizing, blah, blah, blah. And then he brought this up, and it, oh, I guess it would help if I plugged in my computer. Then he brought this up, and it kind of helped maybe open my eyes a little bit more to, okay, is this one of those things that is just kind of a, hey, how about that, a blip on the radar screen? Or is it something that could be even bigger? Here's what he had to say on his podcast, the On3 podcast, about it. Wait for it. Hold on. Is, is it not playing? This can't be happening to me right now. You got it? Oh, there you go. Okay, there we go. To the show yesterday about those two getting together Big Ten, uh, Big to Ten try to chart a new path for college sports because they basically have said, look, the NCAA, the old structure, the old way of doing it, it's not going to get it done. Nobody seems to care that we are, we're up against the deadline here. And I'm sure those two called one another today and we're like, see, more stuff. And the thing about it is, this is the the weird part of the union discussion. And I, I wrote this for SI back in, I want to say 2014. I think it was, I think it was after the regional director's decision on Northwestern when we still, you know, obviously didn't know what was going to happen with the appeal, but it didn't feel like a slam dunk that the the board was going to uphold that ruling. So I wrote then that there might come a point where the schools, the commissioners would be begging the athletes to unionize because they might want to have a collective bargaining agreement so that the athletes would stop taking them to court. I actually think they're at that point. Now, the presidents of the university still don't want them to be employees. And I imagine if you're Greg Sankey, if you're Tony Petiti, your school presidents are telling you we still don't want them to be employees. But if you are them, you are telling those school presidents, we may not get that choice, guys. So if we don't get that choice, how do we handle this? What do we do? Because there is a potential outcome that could be beneficial if this all goes down that way. If, if the athletes are allowed to unionize, if they're allowed to bargain with the schools. And here's what it is. Do you want a salary cap? Do you want rules that govern player movement so that they're not free agents. I mean, I, players aren't free agents every year. Now they're free agents every week, basically. Like they can go hold school hostage for NIL money. But if you didn't want that to be, if you wanted a situation where they could only move once every two years or once every three years, or however you want to structure it, there's a way to do that. The way you do that is you bargain it with them. You get them to agree to it, and then they can't sue you. So, are we seeing now? This is Andy's. Um, this is Andy's perspective, opinion, thoughts. Right. So that's what. That's what he feels. That's how he's kind of approaching, maybe a one eighty. But could this be, where when these commissioners are getting together, they realize, well, maybe this 
this thing that we've pushed back against for so long, right? Employees, athletes as employees. Maybe this isn't the worst thing ever because with how things are going right now with NIL, yeah, dude, not good. <laughs> not good at all. Well, he's right about them being free agents and they can just move, you know, <laughs> during the week or next right. week instead of two years. Hey, Sean, Sean, it's – that just cracked me up. Sean just texted and said, it's like listening to myself the last two years. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I will add, I, f- I have always thought that the the most untenable situations can even bring what have been the most uh, pushed back against hated ideas to become accepted, right? Uh, no one ever wanted to pay college athletes. Well, then the NCAA got smoked in court, so what do they have to come up with? They had to come up with a way that, okay, how can we pay these athletes? And NIL was born. <laughs> then it done blowed up. <laughs> and, it done and, blown up. And now, thanks to that Supreme Court ruling, every single rule that the NCAA tries to implement, if someone wants to, they can go fight them in court. And win, but it's it's wild to me. It's wild to me that of all the things that the NCAA consistently gets smoked on in court, no one has been able to beat them in the three years you have to be playing college football before you can declare for the draft. No one has. Now that might be partial, partially because the NFL's got uh, a little help there. But, I mean, it's just when we talk about, man, the NCAA just always getting smoked in court. Didn't work for Mike Williams, the wide receiver at USC, or it didn't work for Maurice Claret whenever he tried to fight the NCAA, right? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy, Connor. Yeah, they, they've been winning uh, a lot in court. In that, on that front, right. But every other front, they're getting smoked. Yeah. yeah. So it's easy to fight when you know what the kryptonite is. And that's where the NCAA and that's where – College sports stands because there are no set rules. So it's quiet right now out of Dallas. I don't know if we're going to reach an agreement on anything anytime soon, but I will add another layer of, hum, just got added to this. Huh. Huh. How's that going to affect us? What is, uh, what is that going to do? going forward and does it become something that in a wild twist of events we actually want all right quick break uh hit the knippelmeyer chevrolet text line when we come back uh we're remembering toby keith who passed away this morning after his just long and valiant battle with cancer you guys have been sharing your memories all day long on the knippelmeyer chevrolet text line we'll roll through a few more next right here on the ref were you a big uh, TK guy, Connor Pasby? I was, yes. I was too. All I want to do today is just get in the old truck, roll the windows down. Now I'm a suddenly, I've had my truck for a week, and I'm suddenly like, you know that old truck out there? It's, uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's a day to Blair Toby Keith music. Just roll all the windows day down and Blair Toby Keith. They got a lot of really cool stuff on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line about them. I, I want to... Though, real quick, follow up on our conversation to start this hour, which is the Dartmouth story. Every story 
that is taking place right now seems to be pretty, what's the best way to put it, sensational as far as the future of college football. Here is it, it, There's so much good stuff here, and not just in our TK tributes, but in different opinions and perspectives on this. I brought up a lot how the NCAA constantly gets smoked in court, but where have they won? Where have they, regardless of what happens, they always win when it comes to the NFL and the battle with how many years you have to be out of high school, right? They've never lost that fight. How can they be so terrible in one area, but yet they never lose in the, you've got to be in college for three years before the draft. Um, the 615 writes, wouldn't removing the three years removed from high school rule before you can declare for the draft be helpful? If a player like the Nico kid at Tennessee wants $9 million, he can take his chances of getting it in the NFL right out of high school. Obviously, the NFL wouldn't pay that much, which is exactly my point. They're not worth the money anywhere at that point. But if you take away the barrier to the draft, they will have less leverage to hold the colleges hostage for inflated NIL money. It wouldn't eliminate the issue entirely, but it might alleviate some of the pressure. Yeah, it's it's a great point. It's a great point. I know um, this dude from Tennessee and I have disagreed on a lot of things. Yeah, that's not the three-year rule. And I don't know. The NFL's got to be involved in some way, shape, or form in that too, right? I mean, they they have to be involved, Connor, to where they say, yeah, we don't we don't want that either, you know? Yeah, they because got, yeah, if they did, they would just let them come willy nilly. Now, now maybe the UFL blows up. It's like, dang, this UFL thing's got something, and then the NFL would say, oh, okay, you know, maybe this isn't a bad deal. Yeah, the NFL would definitely have to get involved in that. It can't just be all college football making that decision. <laughs> Here is um, here's one. Um, let's see, where is this one from? Broken Arrow Fat Boy. Right, these athletes better watch out. What they asked for are. These athletes better watch out what they asked for, wait till they have to start paying taxes on their scholarships, and then can be fired from their scholarships, and they can be suspended from their scholarship. Now, 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 before before someone says, well, they can be processed. Sure. But even if you're processed, schools still have to honor your scholarship. <laughs> so you can be processed from the football team. You can be cut from the football team, but – you would still have your scholarship where you could go to school. That's actually a pretty good point. Someone, um, I think it was on, I think this was on Barrett Salee's timeline last night. And it's going to be, it's going to be worth watching because I think it's a good point. And everyone says, oh, there's a way around it. They can fight that. That doesn't matter. But wait, wait till we get to the point where a, where a program is abolished because it's a financial loss. Dartmouth. How about that? Dartmouth comes out and the the regional labor relations board steps up and says, you guys can unionize. You are employees. Well, what happens if Dartmouth turns around as a university and says, well, we're getting rid of the program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. David Cohn. Tweeted, it's going to be a shame when the Dartmouth basketball program is abolished because it operates at a financial loss. Exactly. (laughs) 
Ah, uh, it's and then you know you can get in the fights like oh donors will step up. I don't see donors tripping over themselves to help out with the Dartmouth basketball program. And oh, there'll be outrage on social media, but is it affecting Kansas? Is it affecting Kentucky? Is it affecting? I almost said Louisville. What am I thinking? Is it affecting? You know, Purdue basketball? No, no, it's not. We had some people say the three-year rule is a NFL rule. It is not. It's it is not. Incorrect. Okay. The incorrect. three-year rule is a college. Uh, it's a college rule, and the NFL supports it. So with the NFL's support, they help make it happen. And the Maurice Claret thing was absolutely where he went after the NFL to help him out with it, and the NCAA is like, no. I, I just want to tell you guys, I, I was living this last night because I thought, huh, that three-year rule is something that the NCAA has constantly won, and yet for some reason they can't win anything else, which blows my mind. Uh, here's one more real quick, then we'll break. If the SEC and Big Ten just declared that they are splitting away and forming essentially like an AFC-NFC setup with their own playoff and a national title game, who's going to stop them? That's the point. Nobody. Nobody's going to stop them. They're just going to do it. They're going to do it. And, and that's what's fascinating about this. That's what's fascinating about this because you can now set the rules any way you want. You can build, if you're the SEC and the Big Ten, a plan. It's the best way to put this. A plan that best fits what you want and what you need, right? So as long as you're as long as you're able to come together and make that work and you find a set of rules, well, then you're able to say, well, if you break those rules, you're gone, right? You're not gone, but you're, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have scholarship reductions. You're going to miss games. You're going to be playoff ineligible. There's a lot of things that you can build this in your vision, right? And then you have those people that are involved that will be able to then say, well, you did agree to these rules. You can't find your out, okay? We're coming after you because you did entice this player, and that's not allowed in our rules. One more. I, I said one more. The 918. College athletes' unions will be a mess. Professors and staff, salaries, tax money from state and federal level, this is going down the wrong road and will be subjected to voters in each state. Bills will be introduced to reduce funding and taxes. And then Mustang Casey adds, so if the athletes unionize and collectively bargain, how long until we have our first college athlete strike and a fall with no college football? It's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it is a situation <laughs> where, in the end, you're you're probably you're probably talking about rules that we talk about of unintended consequences. This sounds awesome for a certain faction of the world. But in the end, it ends up coming at the expense of probably other programs. And then, hey, congratulations to Dartmouth. But it, that could cost you your basketball program. They are employees of the university. Well, we're discontinuing that part of our university, right? I mean, what does Dartmouth get from its basketball program anyway? I don't Probably know. Probably not much. Not yeah. much.
All right, um, it is 1031, straight up. We are an hour away from JT Gasso joining us, the Sooner softball hitting coach. But we're going to share some memories of the great Toby Keith next right here on The Ref. This is my favorite. This is my favorite Toby Keith song. Number one, number one in my book. Hey, it's Plank Show on The Ref. Interesting, by the way, I did want to say to the 405 uh, and the 615, the three-year rule across the board is an NFL rule. You're absolutely 100% correct. I misspoke. What I meant to say was those who have challenged the NCAA on it get support from the NFL, and they've never lost. So maybe in this, the NCAA could try to get a little help from the NFL on something, or at the very least, just abolish the rule. It might be an NFL rule, but say, hey, listen, you've got your UFL. Go for it. It's just you can take these guys out of high school. I don't think the number would be as large as you guys think of players that then would say, hey, out of high school, I'm going to go try to play in the NFL or the UFL for that matter. And then, now that the more I think about it, the more I think about it, would it then make things even worse? Because then for colleges, if you don't, you know, if that's one rule that gets abolished, then does it become even more of a bidding war because you're like, hey, you don't want to go play for the Frisco Rough Riders, or I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what, I don't know what all the UFL, the St. Louis Steamboats or Showboats or whatever, <laughs> come play for Clemson and we'll give you a three million dollars signing bonus. I, I don't know if that would make it easier. I don't. It's a fascinating time. We're remembering uh, Toby Keith this morning as we lost TK to his battle with cancer. Big Chris checks in. He goes, I'm really having a hard time getting on track this morning. This news about Toby Keith has really derailed my day. Rest in peace, Toby. You will be missed. Uh, Gunny, I might not have a red Solo cup, but I have a purple paper I'm about to fill up with and smoke it down. <laughs> purple paper? Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Well, there'll be a lot of people with red Solo cups today. Toby said they're going to have red Solo cups down on the uh, – down on the court. I was about to ask if they're yeah if they're going to do something tonight at the BYU game. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, here is one from True Sooner, who writes: Toby Keith played halftime at the 2000 Orange Bowl I attended, and in 2004, Toby Keith got up with Sammy Hagar and Van Halen at the Ford Center and played a couple of songs. Whoa, is that right? I, I didn't know that second part. That's pretty cool. What was the uh, the greatest Toby Keith story? Was the well, what was the Merle Haggard was not feeling well, and he was still going to try to do a show. And Toby Keith was at the show, and they're like, "Well, do you do you know the words?" He's like, "Sir, I know every single one of your songs." <laughs> and went out there and played the concert with him, and it was awesome. Um, a couple more from the seven two zero. TK was a man of the people for sure. I worked as a volunteer for the Orange Bowl during the 2000 National Championship. I worked in the hospitality suite at the Fountain Blue Hilton after the game. TK dragged Brent Venables to my bar and asked for tequila shots and told me to pour one for myself to take with him. I reluctantly declined when BV let me know that it wasn't an option to decline. <laughs> you can't decline him. We took the shots and screamed, what a night, what a memory. Rest in peace, TK. That's um. That celebration. See, I wasn't there in two thousand, but that celebration after the twenty, let's see, thirteen, so 14, fourteen Sugar Bowl is one that I 
I'll never forget, dude. That was that was top notch. I, I've said it many times. He is without a doubt the a real, real dude. He's just a real dude. It, uh, it was last year for me during when OU softball was at Toby Keese after they won the national championship. Him being up there and singing uh, How Do You Like Me Now with a lot of the members of the softball team. No, it was that, great. Kind of, that made my heart happy. That's great. That was a great moment. It was, it was without a doubt one of the coolest things that I'd ever seen in person. And I just – listen, I know that – I know that there's a lot of clout chasing that goes on with the video clips and things. I just, it was honestly kind of one of those moments where I was just kind of immersing myself in it. It's like I took a picture, and then after I took the picture, I just sat there and was like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Just soaking all this in. Yeah. yeah. It's a gr- yeah, it was a great moment. Um, from the 303, Toby told the story this morning of the Sooner scene setter that Toby Keith wrote. Would you have time to replay it? Godspeed, Toby. One of the greatest Sooner fans ever. You know, I uh, I can't remember which game that was for. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, because I, we played we played against Oklahoma State in Stillwater, like the game after it. If that makes any sense at all, I mean, I just because I remember being and we were freezing. It was a cold, cold day down in Stillwater. I want to say it was like 13 maybe that he did it. I don't know. It, it couldn't be 13 because I think we won here in 13. But, yeah, it was um, – no, no, hold on, hold on here. So t- 10 and 11 went back-to-back to Stillwater. 12 was – I think it was in 13 then when he did it. That is right because 13 was when we went there. You know what? Actually, it's 15 because it was a night game. Okay, it was 15. So it had okay. to be in the 15 season, T-Row. I'll, I'll find – you know what? I'll I'll make that my challenge throughout every commercial break. We've done all of our uh, work. We've laid out our topics. We've fought about the battle between um, making employees, right? We we n- Now we can have some fun. Now oh, the 303 is saying it's 13. Yeah. I can't remember. It's year you thir- might be yeah, right. it's year 13 or 15. Sooner team. I saw Toby Keith years ago when I was at a Reba concert, and he was one of the opening acts. He came out wearing a Sooner football jersey, and I knew right away that I liked him. Uh, the two one four, the fourth quarter song at football game needs to be Red Solo Cup from now on. Red Solo Cup has it's got like some words where I don't know necessarily if a sing along. Unless everyone has the words down, because it's kind of cooking early on. It is that you know that's one of gosh. Now thinking about Red Solo Cup, I got chills. I'll never forget when we won the Natty. Help me out, Coach Gas. I think it was sixteen when when OU won the national title in sixteen. They did the celebration at Toby Keith's. They did it again. Toby Keith's was sixteen and seventeen, eighteen in twenty and twenty one and twenty. Wait, 21 and 22, they did it at a hotel. 23, we went back to TK's. And in 16, Toby was he was he was rocking, man. He was he was in a great place. And he got up there and he started singing. And they started singing, and none of the girls knew the song, except for Nicole Pinley, who was just How about up, that? <laughs> up there rocking out with him That's in 16 awesome. after they won. And it was cool. It was really cool. Um the Sooner Andy. I'm just I'm just reading these as they come in. If if you want to read 
one that you've got posted from earlier, Connor, we can do that too. But the Sooner Andy writes, was always nice to see TK at the Sooner basketball games. It just felt normal when he was in attendance. With his health struggles was one way to gauge how he was doing. Oh, I mean, that that's a great way. If he was there, you know, okay, he's doing okay. was awesome seeing him regularly at the LNC during non-conference games this year. I had noticed he was missing after the first of the year and specifically for the Texas game. It was then that I had a nagging feeling all may not be well again. Heartbreaking to realize this feeling was accurate. And Sooner Andy added, I hope no one sits in the normal seat tonight. Yeah. It, it, all, it always felt normal when Toby Keys was at basketball games, which, man, it felt like he was – Always at the games till he started battling cancer. Sometimes early on in the season, he was still there. The uh, camo sooner just sent one of my favorite pictures ever, and it used to be speaking of RIPs at the. Um, oh gosh, I'm such a terrible fan of a place that closed. What was the name of the place on Barry and Lindsay that just closed down? Talk about Penny Penny Hill Penny, Penny Hill. Hill. Thank you. Um, my favorite OU picture that has ever been shot is DeMarco Murray racing down the sidelines of an OU Texas game. And it was on the wall at Penny Hill and Jim Ross is right there. And, and he's got his, both his fist pumping as he's kind of squatted down enjoying the moment. And right behind him is Toby Keith, like with an arm in the air. I will say I think my favorite part of this picture is Brad Camp kind of looking over the shoulder of <laughs> I don't know if that's a coach. It might be Kale that's kind of down getting ready to run with him. But it's one of the greatest pictures ever. And it, and it shows the true fandom, man. Yeah, it's pretty I, cool. Jim Ross and Toby Keith in the back. Yeah. Marco Murray about to run in for a touchdown. Great moment. Great moment. Um, another great TK song, Wayman song. That's been one that we've talked about tonight. That's been talked. That's been talked about a lot, uh, and I think USC Brian even mentioned that whenever he called in today. Uh, there was there was one more I wanted to get to here before the break, talking about TK. And keep these texts coming. I, I hope it continues all day long. I'm sure it will. At four zero five six five one three four three nine, Toby was the epitome of a true patriot and a loyal Sooner fan. He will be missed. From Sooner Soldier, I think. I think. A lot of times, a celebrity fandom for a team. We kind of look at it's like, ah, oh, okay, great. Yeah, here's, here's Matthew McConaughey again, or here's whomever, right? But I wouldn't be surprised, like, if Toby Keith was on message boards. Right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Toby Keith listened to the ref. Like, he, he wasn't just diehard Sooner fan. He, he was, guys. He was a fan. He wasn't just ah, uh, show up at a Sooner game, get a little photo op, wave. Like, he loved Oklahoma Sooner athletics. I mean, loved him. Baseball, softball, basketball, football. He was at it all, all. So it wasn't just a it wasn't just a like a photo op or a clout anything, right? This was this was truly a passion. And then in that, like true friendships developed. Look at what coaches what did you see what Coach Stoops said and wrote about him? 
Yeah, Stoops and I saw, I saw Venables put something out earlier too as like well. Like it was a true friendship. It wasn't just a, hey, this is maybe one of the greatest country artists ever. Ever. And he was a fan of the team. And here's a picture of me with him. No. No. He loved the Sooners and he became great friends with these guys. I mean, it's very unique, Connor. It's yeah, very it, it wasn't awesome. just football. The dude was just everywhere for OU Athletics, showing his support uh, to the Sooners. I right, break. Break. Keep them coming, guys. It's 1048. We will have our top five stories today coming up right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Oh, we got we, we've gone to the pen again. What happened here? I didn't think I'd make it through the break. I think he'll be right back. Oh, okay. He got called away for a second. <laughs> Oh, hey, by the way, as far as travel is concerned, this show might have a little bit of a tint to it like that this week, right? Because I'm gone tomorrow and then Thursday. I think I'm going to be able to go on Friday. But I don't think I'm going to miss another show. Oh, for the uh, for the softball season? Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I don't think I will. There might be a little bit of a testiness, if that's the word, on the Thursday of the Palm Springs trip. Oh. Knock on wood, too. You're yeah, dealing with sure. February and March weather, right. so that know. always affects us sometimes. All, all of a sudden, I get a phone call. It's like, your flight's been moved up three hours. Right. You need to go. So, Jackie just texted me. Have you traveled? You traveled to Mexico, right? For Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. She just texted and said, "I need. we might need a color photocopy of our passport. Why would that be? Like These, a copy of it? Like, yeah. I, you never, have your passport, but right. you get a color copy yeah, of it? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Well, I haven't had to have that. I huh. don't know. Huh, I need more info, Jackie. Hmm. Uh, in 30 minutes from now, JT Gasso. By the way, this is the most thorough Zoom meeting that anyone has been in in their entire life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm if, if I'm in a Zoom meeting more than 30 minutes, I'm like, yo, I got to go, all right? It's like 55 minutes now for Josh. Uh, we've obviously been sharing memories throughout the program today. Uh, here's Sooner Mike off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, he writes, one story I remember of Toby was standing at the World Series last year by himself. Up walks Coleman and asks if he is celebrating, not knowing who he was. He then introduced himself. And, oh, wow, Toby was always celebrating the series party after the game, singing with the players last year. Yeah, I was there sooner, Mike. It was pretty wild. It was pretty cool. Yeah, the uh, the Coleman family. It's It's pretty cool whenever you see the reaction of some of the – family members when they meet him but then his reaction whenever they would meet him or whenever he would meet them is like oh you're Jada's parents like my gosh they're the stars to him like yes. you know, they, you know, as a massive Sooner fan that's uh that's funny you know you you somebody that's that famous and that big of a star but they still have those people that they love and I mean that was Sooner players for him man he he loved it yeah I um I've said it a lot today it's. It wasn't a BS. It wasn't just a, yeah, I'm from Oklahoma. I love the Sooners. It was, I freaking love the Sooners. I love Oklahoma. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a message board name. I wouldn't be surprised if, he, if his number is one of these that texts the show. I mean, I'm just, I'm not saying like that as a humble brag. like, hey, Toby Keith knew who we were. No, that's not what I, I'm just saying. That's how passionate he was as a fan. Patrick and the Mont breaks up a great point. He goes, TK was a very generous man. Consider donating to his foundation today instead of buying those red solo cups. Go to tobykeithfoundation.org. Yeah, he's he was very generous and always giving back. Uh, Maggie, 
Saw TK in Iraq. Was awesome and something I and so many others will never forget. Awesome experience. Yeah, I got to find that audio that Toby played earlier. Because from the Stoops conversation, did he end up playing that or did oh, he just he did. reference it? Yeah, no, he did play it. Um, where he was talking about why he did what he did and why he went over and did that. That's really cool. Um, the 918. I'm pretty young. So CDs were only a small fraction of my childhood. I was gifted the Toby Keith Bullets in the Gun CD, which is the one and only CD I have ever owned. So I had to How clean. do you only have one, own one CD? I mean, he said he's pretty young. And so huh. the CD well, on the back the end digital of digital yeah. stuff, I guess, yeah. So I cleaned out my old car yesterday. By the way, if anyone wants to buy a Ford Edge that doesn't run, give me a holler. It's for sale right now. All you got to do is come pick it up. It's It's got a title. You're good. But I was cleaning out, and I found the old, um, uh, I don't know, like a trapper keeper of CDs. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I guess I would found, I'm like, oh, I got a CD player in my car, so I'm going to take him. And then I realized how much it sucked having CDs, so I just probably threw it in my car. And I was so excited because I found it. And I was looking at them, and they're all so scratched. I can't even play them anymore, man. It's like I, I, I find these things. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to listen to some of these. And, like, two of them are still good. And, of course, they're the two you never listen to, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what the reason why they're still good. That's right. Yeah. The other ones are all scratched up. You throw them around your car or something. But, yeah, that's good. 918, that's good. And a Big John from Texas writes, uh, Toby Keith was a legit superstar fan that loved his school i always appreciated that he was not silly cheesy trying to coach up the players and all that craziness so true so true but i will say he uh he, he would give him a little pat on the back right hey it's gonna be okay you know that, that kind of thing he was he was awesome on the sidelines i'm gonna miss him we're remembering toby keith today we'll get our top five stories today when we come back on the ref